The Dealmakers, an Agora production podcast, is a unique platform to recognize top-performing real estate partners and discover more about how they make deals. This is your time to learn from the best. I'm your host, Asaf Raz. Here we go. So we have the history part. So I'll go back to my sentence saying that what I've been seeing from a lot of conversations with those real estate entrepreneurs, it's like they always start with that epiphany moment of, I need to change something. I want to be financially independent. I want to create better cash flow. A lot of them also say, I wanted to create a better future for my family, right? I feel like that is the gist of real estate entrepreneurs, always looking for a better way to live life and not necessarily a better way to quote unquote do business, right? You know what I mean? It's just like a way to lead your own life. Am I saying that right? Or is there another direction here I'm not seeing? No, I think you're right on. I think it's, you know, exactly what you just said. And also, you know, just, you know, seeing what you're capable of doing, right? I think, you know, everybody has that, you know, a capacity and ability to do great things in this world. And you don't want to be limited through somebody else's hands or at somebody else's expense, right? You want to be able to, you know, take matters into your own hands and see as far as you can go, right? And as high as you can fly. So I think a lot of that has to do with it. I think there's some guys that are naturally, you know, competitive in the space or, or just usually just competitors, right? And so you're competing with yourself and seeing what's the best version of yourself in business and thus in life that you can achieve, right? So it's just a combination of all of the above, right? And I think you're, you're right. You know, everybody just wants to prove to themselves they can do something, right? Yeah, and I can completely relate with that part. I think part of also me doing this podcast is for me to learn from people like you, how do you do it? So how do you get off the W-2 job or how do you go into real estate? How do you start creating a deal, partnerships, talking to investors and so on and so forth. And therefore, I'm going to move into understanding a little bit of how you work, Juan, and what are the things that you do to scale or grow your business and to create that cash flow or a better life. So what does a day in your life look like, right? You're probably dealing with a lot of assets, a lot of investors. How does your day mostly look or how do you structure your days? Yeah, yeah. So morning time is, is usually, you know, gym time. I get up at the gym and, you know, I think it's very important, you know, stay fit and healthy, that you can have a good, strong mind, you know, for the rest of the day as well. And then from there, you know, take my kids to school, you know, my wife and I tag team on that. You know, from there, you know, it's, it's really off the races on work, right? And so Sunday nights, you know, we usually like to, you know, schedule or review the schedule, review the week and see what's coming and try to make sure that we prioritize the tasks, you know, the responsibilities that we have, you know, for the rest of the week. And so typical day, you know, first thing in the morning, you know, we'll burn through some of these emails that could have, you know, came over the weekend, right? Try to, on the weekends, I try to dedicate as much time as possible to the family. And then we'll have a lot of calls. We'll have a lot of, you know, Zoom meetings. We'll have a lot of in-person meetings. You know, you're right. You know, sometimes it's with investors. Sometimes it's regarding assets. Sometimes it's visiting the properties. Sometimes it's touring new deals and jumping on calls with brokers. So it's a combination of, of several different areas because we're pretty much trying to oversee, make sure all the assets, you know, work well. And then on top of that, you know, the deals that we're bringing on, you know, are also doing well. So yeah, it's a process in itself. And, and every day, it could be a little different, right? Never two days that are exactly the same. But, you know, just a combination of several different tasks that happen, you know, throughout the day, you know, for the deals that we have. Yeah. And, and I feel like a lot of you guys, you as a GP or any other GP out there, they're trying always to make time for the one hardest task in the past few years. And we'll talk about how it might change because of rates of interest rates and so on. But I feel like looking for a deal or finding a good deal takes a huge chunk of your time 
or anyone who's looking to grow the business, it's like finding that right deal. And everybody has a different way in looking into those deals. What are some things that you look at when you go into a deal? How do you categorize and say, okay, this is a medium deal. This is a very, very good deal. This is a high risk deal. Like what are some things that you do? Yeah. So whenever we're looking at deals, we have a, a spreadsheet, we, we call it deal board, right? And so on that, we do prioritize, you know, different deals. And so if it's a deal that's marketed, we give it a little bit lower priority unless it's a deal that we can preempt, right? Meaning that we can take it off the table as long as we hit a certain number and the seller would be okay not going through the entire marketing process, right? And what that does is that it prevents us from having to go through the bidding wars that happen, right? And, and through a best and final you know, process or sometimes even a second round of best and final. And so we prioritize those a little higher. We give those more attention. We also give the off-market deals more attention. You know, just because you hear the word off-market doesn't mean it's going to be a great deal, right? The seller just would rather not go through the entire marketing process and maybe they want a quick sell. And if you can get their number, then they'll sell quickly, right? Without having to burn more time with the marketing process. So, you know, we tend to give those a higher priority. Now, how does it work? You know, your question on risk. If it's like in a D area, those don't even hit the billboard, right? Like they don't even get on the board at all. I think they have to be a certain size as well. So I would say we want a minimum of 100 units. We'll look at it, you know, maybe an 80 or 90 unit, but that's rare. So minimum of 100 units and above. And so B area and above, that's another one of our criteria. We like to have a value add deal to where physically improving or economically improving the property, right? Maybe it's not managed properly or you know, there's a lot of different reasons, right? Owner out of state, deferred maintenance, you know, you name it, right? There's multiple reasons. And so those are the kind of deals that we like. You know, we like to find opportunities in primary markets and growing pockets of the primary markets and specifically in Texas, Houston, and Austin. So multiple different criteria, but that's how we're able to really fine tune and make sure that we're finding best opportunities that really fit the criteria and does, you know, deals that we will make offers on. Yeah. And again, it's, I feel like a lot of what's happening in the market right now is where do you get the deal off market, but the good deals off market. I know that working with brokers can be a huge hassle, but yeah, let's go back to focus on you. And here's a good question. It always raises up good memories. Would you mind telling me about your biggest failure specifically in real estate? And what have you learned from that? How did you bounce back from that? I really haven't had too many failures on Luckily, unfortunately, but I would say that one of the main ones that comes to mind is not really teaming up with other partners from an earlier point. And so a lot of it was me and my own and maybe JV and I think it worked great, you know, up until a point. But if you're looking back, if I would have worked together with the same partners on those, you know, earlier deals, then I think that we would have been much more ahead because you're able to share expenses, you're able to share, you know, same vision, same, you know, business plan for an overall company and the deals that we would have you know, put together would have really helped to accelerate the growth for the next deals. And so I think that in itself would have really helped to speed things up. So I would say that's one of the major ones that I've made. And, and you know, it was a combination of waiting for the right time, not trying to force anything, having some success, doing it the way I was. So multiple reasons, but I would say, you know, if I would have sped things up there, and when I say speed things up, like, you know, it's never about, you know, just doing it and not looking back, right? It's about making sure that you find the right people to work with. But then if you all feel like you're ready, then, then moving forward. Yeah, like I said, I would have been much more further ahead, I think, at this point than where I am. Even though we've had success, right? But I think it would really split things up. You know, the power of partnerships is something that also comes back all the time of choosing the right partnership, being able to close on a deal, understanding it, underwriting it, 
getting it and understanding so like as quick as possible. This is my deal. This is what I need. I think it's a big differentiator of growth. So I wouldn't say, like you said, I wouldn't say it's a failure, but I think it's a mm-hmm. good tip for anyone listening to learn from as to you got to move smart, but you got to move quick and good partnerships would get you there. Yeah, I'm hearing this all around and I love that concept of partnerships. I think it's one of the most appealing parts for me in real estate, the partnership. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. And then the other one, I mean, it goes without saying, is not starting sooner. <laughs> I think everybody can see that one, right? Like I wish I would have started you know, five years ago, 10 years ago. A lot of it's education, a lot, a lot of it's, you know, getting past your fear and just pulling the trigger, right? So I think that's the other one that really sticks out. And that's what I'm trying to tap into. Like that mindset is what I'm trying to tap into. I'm trying to understand how it feels like it flows in your blood, this entrepreneurship part. It's, it's just there, right? And you're saying, okay, I just need to pull the trigger. And you're not the first one to say, I should have started sooner. I should have started before. So yeah, part of this podcast is creating a community around that shared idea and giving people the courage to actually go for it. And yeah, on the flip side of failures, what are you proud of the most? It could be property, it could be your company, it could be anything. What do you think is like your proudest moment or the, the thing that you're proudest of? You know, I would say it's simply, you know, my family, three boys and my wife, you know, they're the reason why you go to battle every day, right? And some of the proudest moments as well, you know, on the business side is whenever we're providing, you know, returns for our investors through a sale, distributions, some of our investors are sophisticated investors. The majority we have are accredited investors, but we do have some that are sophisticated. And so we're able to really provide some returns for them. And really, you know, a lot of times it can be impactful in a way where, you know, we can really change their lives, right? And so whenever I get those texts or those calls or those emails, you know, from them, it really makes me, you know, feel good that, hey, I was able to make a positive impact on their lives, right? Those are very proud moments without a doubt, right? Just building something from scratch, you know, it's always meaningful as well. Do you get a chance to look back? When do you take that time to stop and look back and say, oh, wow, this is all me? That doesn't really happen much because it's never like all me, right? It's always the support of others, right? For example, my wife, right? She, you know, she's the one that's telling me, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing, you know, keep, keep going. And, you know, when you feel like things are, you know, going against you in multiple different ways or just you're not having the best day, she's always there for you, right? To lean on, right? I would say that, you know, even in business, it's never yourself because it's the partners that you bring on. It's the people that you're around. It's our investors that really make things happen. You're just, you know, one piece of it, right? And so as a whole, yes, it's us, right? It's a whole with investors, with partners, you know, everybody, you know, you can really get things done alone. You know, it just, it's just, it's very, very tough. One person to do things themselves, which, you know, it can happen, but it's very rare for it to happen by themselves, right? Yeah. So going off that topic, do you have a team at Genwell? How big are you guys? Yeah. So there's three of us, there's three partners. One of our partners, you know, focused on financial modeling, asset management. Another one is investor relations and construction management marketing, you know, for me, it's more on the front end with brokers, deal flow, you know, overall, you know, asset management as well. And so we've been able to really, you know, team up and do some things and with some complementary skill sets. Yeah. And building that team is, again, a crucial part of how you said it. You said, like, I'm not doing this by myself. So it's even to a point of choosing, it can be also choosing your investors, right? It's also something you could look into and say, I don't know if I want to work with every investor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're right. You know, in the past we have, now that you bring that up, we have turned on some investors, right? It's just like, you know, when investors, they choose to work with us, you know, we also have to look at that same thing and look at them, right? And I think nine times out of 10, you know, we're working with investors, but then there's some investors that it's a little bit more difficult to work Mm -hmm. with, right? For one reason or another, right? And so you just got to look at both sides, right? Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so this industry is, as you know, probably better than I do. It's super harsh. It's very fast paced. It's wake up to battle every morning. 
And for me, at least, when I wake up in the morning and go to battle, I need to love what I do. I need to be excited about that. And I'm sure you are about real estate. So what excites you about this industry? What are the things that make you like, very ecstatic? I need to wake up. I need to do this. I think some of the reasons I've already mentioned, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's number one, you know, we're able to build, you know, and scale a business, right? You know, I would say that that's always something that you want to do as a business owner is, is find the way that you can, you know, scale, find the way that you can certainly profit. But even more meaningful is the impact that you make on investors, the impact that you make on residents that live at the properties, you know, helping them, you know, have a much better community. And so and then, you know, the impact that you can make on charities, right? And other organizations that you can do as a result of the business that you have. So there's multiple different buckets, right? That all come from one, right? And so all of those combined are really a you know, reason for us to wake up and go to grind every single day. Some days are not going to be the best. Some days are going to be awesome and really exciting. But I think overall, the majority of the days are very, very good days. And, you know, we're, you know, just excited, right? And you're ready to get going. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So I've seen one of the reasons that I've reached out is that I've seen the growth in your presence also on social media. So LinkedIn for sure, but also I've seen your name been thrown around, like people know it. And I feel like, yeah, this industry is built a lot on networking, but there are also individuals within that industry that are more shining stars. I feel like you've done some work towards getting there. And I'd like to also share, if you could share with everybody with me as well, how did you develop this kind of unique personal brand and build your presence in the industry? Or what are you doing right now to continue and do that? You know what? I actually had a podcast. We talked about that briefly in the beginning, right? I think I was in your shoes, similar to your shoes and where I was interviewing other guys, you know, that I looked up to, that I could learn from, that we could get some price and value for our audience for, right? And multiple different, you know, people. And I was able to interview like, you know, Grant Cardone, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, those kind of guys. And so I think, you know, those pieces really helped. I think more, more importantly, it's just being genuine, being yourself, you know, being out there and providing value as much as possible, you know, attending conferences. I think those really, really were helpful. Hosting a meetup that I do like on a monthly basis, being interviewed, like, you know, such like, you know, what we're doing now, right? On your podcast. And I think a combination of all of those, but, you know, most importantly is providing value to folks out there, right? If somebody reaches out, you know, you provide value, you know, you can see that as, hey, this guy's kind of wasting my time, or you can see it as, hey, you know what? I was in those shoes, you know, once before, it's only going to take me a couple of minutes. I can do this, right? Share the information, you know, maybe share a contact, maybe share a link, you know, provide some kind of nugget and value to that person, right? And I think in turn, you know, the universe and the world, you know, works in a great way to where, hey, look, this guy provided value. And then they're able to provide a value to you as well without you expecting it by sharing your name or sharing, you know, something about you, right? So that's not why I do it, right? But it just happens many, many times over and over, right? But I think, yeah, ultimately just being yourself and getting out of your comfort zone. And like, for example, we're on this podcast now. And if I was, you know, fearful, right, then then I probably wouldn't have done it. But sure, there's going to be some little fear, you know, every single time you're speaking on a panel, live in front of a crowd or hosting a meetup or attending a conference or even doing a podcast. But getting past those fears, it really helps and, you know, helps to get your name out there, right? So I think all those, you know, combination of all things are very helpful to be successful, I think. Yeah. And I think for real estate, it also really helps with the networking part of it. So like you said, someone starts a sponsorship, right? And he's, he found a really good deal. And he remembers Juan from like four years ago when this guy knew nothing and helped me with a spreadsheet on how to do like underwriting, right? Or help me with my underwriting process. And I remember that four years ago and I reach out and say, Juan, do you want to join me on that deal? I hear about this happening a lot. And I think that maybe the biggest message out of what you just said is that building that personal brand is 
very crucial in a networking-based industry, specifically with what we saw with COVID in 2020 when it started that everything went digital, right? And I think it's just a vital part of creating a more sustainable business. And I love how you did it. I mean, it's super, like you said, it's super authentic. I can really understand kind of the person that you are through what you say, which is just great. So thank you for sharing that information. It's really valuable. So at this point, we have one more question about yourself, which is mostly about influence that you received in your life. And then we'll go into what I call growth hacks and tips, which is mostly things that you've done in your business itself to help you propel yourself forward. So let's start with this question. And this also could get people a little bit uncomfortable in their seats, but it also provides real value. So who are or were the people that influence you the most? You know, your role models, people that inspire you. It could be from the industry, could be beyond the industry. What have they done to create that inspiration in you? Number one, without, you know, getting too religious here, right? Number one is, you know, I'm a believer in God, right? I think that he is number one for me and for my family, right? So I always, always will look up and without shame and with pride, you know, that's number one, always, you know, as far as a person, there's multiple people out there in the industry that have been rather successful in their perspective, you know, careers. And so I can name a huge list of people, right? I like to look up to people also that were really like pioneers in their specific industries, you know, Elon Musk's of the world. He's always doing great things, you know, for just from a business standpoint, but also humanity, right? Jeff Bezos, you know, those kind of guys, right? Sam Walton, you know, all these books that I've read, you know, all of these guys were, were pioneers in their specific industries and were really, really inspirational to doing things, right? So as far as, you know, real estate, you know, I can name a handful of guys out there, but we can just, you know, leave it at that. But there's multiple people out there in the industry that I look up to, you know, their companies and what they have been able to do and just very, very proud of them. Awesome. This is super sweet. And I've seen this, the Elon Musks of the world. It's not the first time I'm hearing this. And I wanted to know, you talked about the books. Is there any one book that we can't miss? You got to go through. Um, you know, yeah. So whenever I first started in the business, there's many books that I really like. One of the first books that I read in when it regards to multifamily was The Multifamily Millions. That was by Dave Lindahl. That was a really, really solid book. Another one was Emerging Real Estate Markets. And those two books by him were the first two books that I read many, many years ago. And they were you know, very impactful. Obviously, you know, I would imagine that most of the people out there have read the, the Purple Book, which is you know, very good. Risk Dad, Poor Dad. Cashflow Quadrant was another really solid book that I liked. But you know, some of the most impactful books were some of the more, I guess, self-improvement books, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was a really, really good book and how to communicate with others and be respectful and remember people by their names. And I think that's one of the most all-around best books out there that anyone can read. But there, yeah, there's multiple books out there that are very, very good. But those are some of the ones that really made an impact on myself. Awesome. I'll put them also in the podcast description just so people can follow up and see them on Amazon or wherever. I'm going to put links there. Okay, so going into growth hacks, just trying to understand what are some tips that we can give forward or gift it to others. So what are some of the things you've done to kind of push your firm for growth? Yeah, yeah. So what we have been doing is really keeping track of a lot of our metrics, right, and analytics, right? For example, whenever we're looking at deals, you know, we have a deal board and we're able to keep track of all, you know, the zip code, you know, how the T12 was, how the T3 was, how the T1 was, what the percentage ratio was on income, what the percentage ratio was on expenses and just on and on and on. So whenever we're looking at another deal in that specific market, in that specific zip code, in that specific pocket, then we're able to know, hey, look, these deals ran this way. Then we know, you know, how this deal is, is should run. You know, as long as it's, it's within the same year construction and vintage, 
And so I think, you know, those are very helpful. Having weekly calls with the team just to go over, you know, the overall, you know, company and the following week's goals. I think those have been very, very helpful. You know, continuing with, with marketing, continuing with, you know, our meetup on, you know, just, you know, staying active. But I think, you know, number one key to all this is really keeping track of all the metrics, KPIs for a company, but also keeping track of KPIs and metrics for specific deals. All that has a lot to do with it. And you're able to look at the past and look at, you know, today and like that, you can really project what's next and on specific deals or, or on the company. But yeah, staying consistent is a key as well. You know, sometimes you may not see success for a while. You may not see deal flow for a while, or you'll see deal flow, but you may not see actual deals, you know, come together. And so you just got to stay active and stay at it. And I think, you know, things will happen eventually for sure. A hundred percent. And I love that. And, you know, going off the part of having control over your metrics and tracking your goals, are there any tech tools that you help you become more efficient in that process or profitable? Maybe I know maybe how you did it before, how you did it after any of those tools would be great. Yeah. So I used to use Google for everything and I still love, you know, specifically, you know, Google Drive, Google Sheets. Now we switched over to Teams and so Microsoft Teams. And so everything is pretty much on there, right? So you have Excel, you have Word, you have PowerPoint, and we're able to really share, you know, live information, you know, among the team. We're able to really communicate on that versus, you know, doing it on email. I think email, it works good. But a lot of emails get lost. A lot of communication gets lost. It's really difficult to find emails and find, you know, hey, where was the spreadsheet that you shared? You know, I can't find it anymore. And so with Teams, you're able to really more easily find you know, specific information that you're looking for. So I would say that's one of the major changes that we did. We're switching over to that. We also use Airtable and that's, you know, more or less used for our deal board. You know, we have a lot of information on there as well and KPIs. And so we're able to use, you know, a combination of those two. And then, you know, downloading the apps, you know, for those have been very helpful because whenever you're on desktop, you use it there, but then you always have it on the go as well, right? No matter where you're at. Yeah. So I would say those two have been extremely helpful overall, but at the campaign is another tool that we use for the marketing side and, you know, keep track of our database. So yeah, there's multiple tools out there. You know, having an investor platform has been helpful to be able to upload documents, provide investor reports, onboard investors, provide a deal that we're marketing. So multiple different tools that we've been able to implement that, you know, have been really helpful in allowing us to get to the next level and scale even more yeah. and you know, just simplify things overall. Yeah. So I think, you know, a summary of that would be you're using today Microsoft Teams for everything, which also helps with tracking documents internally, Airtable for tracking more of the goals and the metrics, obviously an investor portal to send all the information and receive all the information. It's very helpful right? Using these tools, I think that you don't understand how much help, how helpful they are until you get to use them. So I love that you're kind of adopting that way of using technology to help your business. I feel like the days of the Rolodex and the manual spreadsheets was not that far ago in real estate. So it's just amazing to see how it's being adopted so quickly. And I love it. For sure. I think, you know, you have to implement technology into your business as much as possible and try to use the right tools, right? Because they're not all made the same. I think that's very key, right? Make sure you're using the right investor portal as well, right? Make sure that each one of those has to work well and complement each other. I love that last message, 100%. Okay, so two more questions, okay? And I'm not going to take more of your schedule for today. But so one question is the last question. Then we have a closing question, which returns to everybody, which sometimes can get pretty emotional. But do you have any trade secrets you're willing to reveal to our audience? Anything, what's your secret sauce? With my previous career, it was a lot of diagnosing. It was a lot of problem solving. 
and business is very similar. Right? You're going to have some issues that come up, right? Every single business out there has, has some kind of problems, big or small. And so I think my previous career has really helped to be able to have that skill set in solving you know, problems that arise, right? Don't fret about it. Don't overreact about it. Just make sure that you take a step back, look at the overall situation, assess it, and come up with a solution. And if solution A doesn't work, then what's solution B, right? And so I think that's one of my key skill sets, but also just networking, right? I think it's one of the things where I used to think that I was more of an introvert. The more I do this, the more I realized that I think I was wrong the entire time. I think I actually like, you know, meeting people and talking to people and being here like live or just speaking to someone in person. So I think knowing those, you know, a couple of key skill sets have really helped me in, in business overall. hundred percent. I love it. I take it to myself as well. If you don't mind, I'm going to steal that secret sauce of yours. If you don't mind. No, for sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> so last question. This is a question that everybody gets. So if you could go back in time, what tip would you give your younger self? Yeah. So this is a very good question because, you know, there's multiple tips, right? So I wouldn't say just one tip. I would say there's multiple tips out there. I think the number one reason why most people fail, I mean, I wouldn't say fail, but don't get started is because of you know fear, fear of failure, right? And I was no different on that, right? So I would say that if I could tell myself something, just one thing many years earlier, then I would say that get started, you're going to fail, but just know that it's part of the process and go for it anyway, right? Because we're so tied in school that, you know, failure is not good, right? Failure is bad. And if you do, then you're just not going to get to the next level. And then business is the total opposite. You know, failure is part of the process. And the sooner that you get there and the more you do it and the earlier you do it, then, you know, the sooner you can also be successful, right? Because you know what not to do. So I would say that is the number one thing. It's if I could go back, it's just that, you know, pull the trigger. Don't worry about, you know, the failure and move right ahead and you'll learn along the way. I love it. Wow. I'm writing this on my wall. Seriously. It's beautiful and super, super true. I think for any entrepreneur, I don't know if it's only real estate. It's just like pull the trigger. If you believe in something and you want to do it, just do it. I had a lot of fears doing this podcast. I had a lot of fears that I'm not going to know what to talk about. And it's just been an amazing experience. And I've failed. I failed. I failed a lot of times, even in the episodes that I did so far. I find myself blabbering around and I, pieces that I want to cut out and I can, which is, you know, it's good for me. But yeah, I think that failing forward isn't always the thing that I keep saying to myself, like fail forward, fail forward. It's fine. Like you got to do this. And yeah, it's a beautiful message to kind of end this episode with. The last part that I always add in is here's your part for a shameless plug. That's how I call it, where you can put in your name, your company name, email, if you want a phone number and what you're looking for. Cause this, I'm going to share this with our entire community and their LPs, their other GPs, other partners that you can find your way with. So it's important if there's something you're looking for, just let us know. Yeah. No, no, I certainly appreciate that. Yeah, if somebody wanted to reach out to me, they can go to, to our website. That's genwealthcapital.com or they can also send me a, you know, an email directly. That's Juan at genwealthcapital.com. And then somebody wanted to reach out to me on social media, you can find me you know, pretty much you know all the platforms out there except for like TikTok or Snapchat. Um, not on those. But yeah, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm all those. And so you can find me at, at the Juan Vargas is my handle. And so just reach out, you know, happy to connect and you know, provide any, any value that I can as well. Awesome. This is super sweet. Juan, thank you so much. I had an amazing, amazing episode with you. We're going to continue this with our next guest. Hopefully they're going to be as good as you were. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I certainly appreciate it.